do and what's good people look today is now official we are halfway done with 2020 and some people say that we couldn't get through this year quick enough now agree or disagree what we do know about 2020 is that it has taken us down roads of addressing some very important issues movies yes movies my guests and Stevie and them looking at me kind of crazy, but I'll give it to you. Look, I'll give you a few titles and you can tell me what they have, what they all have in common. Loving. My last day without you. Guess who's coming to dinner? Made in America. Jungle Fever. And Othello. Now I can go on and on naming these movies. So let's talk about Othello. Othello was believed to be written in 1603. Let me give you a recap. The story revolves around its two central characters, Othello and Iago, and of course, yes, Desdemona. Some of the major themes in this play included racial prejudice, manipulation, and of course, jealousy. Okay, hold your thoughts right there. If you don't know, you have tuned in to another exciting episode of Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. Look, we have so much to talk about today, so many topics to cover. So before we get started, this will be the perfect time. I would tell Stevie to say it, but I'll tell you to tell everyone that is not watching or listening to go watch the show and listen to my damn podcast. <laughs> Look, I get these questions all the time, time and time again. Well, where can I watch the show? Look, you can watch this podcast on Roku, Fire TV, and Apple TV. Just search the High School Narrative. Or you can go on our app at www.thsn.today. Watch, submit, share. So go ahead, download the app. If you're going to work out, because I get up and go to my garage every 26 days, right? And I, I get on the elliptical <laughs> and I want to listen to the show. You can go on Apple and Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, and Spotify. And please, finally, go ahead and visit our team store at thsn.store to get your top athletic gear and get 20% off. Look, we have a great show lined up for you today and some very, very important, uh, important guests waiting in the wings and anxious to get started. But first... This podcast is brought to you by <laughs> The Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high-protein-packed snack to get you back on track, oh, yeah, the next stop is The Jerky Zone. And that's some real good beef jerky, just so you know. We got something special for y'all coming, huh, Tony? Go ahead and give him a wink, Tony, and let him know. We got something very special for y'all that's going to come on, on them bags. And Intro Wheels, where custom rims make your classic cars come to life. And lastly, Vantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. See me for me, so let's get to it. Today's topic 
is deeper than my skin, self-identity, reflection, and the bigger question is, who am I? My first guest is the program director for the 417 Recovery Center in Palm Desert, California. Please welcome Stevie Kuhn to the show. And of course, we have a primary therapist, uh, Alyssa. I'm going to say Jones Ross because that's what you have on your screen and that's what everybody will see. Um, but Alyssa Jones Roth is with us to the show. And of course, somebody sitting there on mute with just a picture. Um, my hangnail of a friend, uh, Tony Rosignol, which is CTO of the high school narrative. Hi, Mo, how are you? I got a face for radio, baby. <laughs> you got a face for radio. <laughs> and luckily, some people can listen to this show. And if you think about it, close your eyes, squeeze real tight, and you got yourself a, a Tom Cruise or a, a Denzel Washington looking type guy. <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. <laughs> How's it going? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's almost the weekend, and it's only Tuesday. <laughs> I wish it was the weekend. Hey, it's the Fourth of July weekend, so you got to think right. you get a you get like a ten day weekend. Yeah. Right. I've had almost a six-month weekend just so far, just so you know. With yeah. Hi, Alyssa. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm always amazing. Thank you for taking your time out of your day uh, and coming down to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, anytime. Anytime you want to come back, just go ahead and tap, <laughs> tap Stevie on the shoulder and tell her I'm ready to hang out with Talk to Talk so you can come on down. Uh, Look, we, we actually, let me give a little history about you. I, I read that you went to Cal Baptist uh, University out there and uh, and then you got a master's degree in, in counseling and psychology um, with an emphasis on, on marriage and family therapy. Is that it? Yeah. See, I do a little, a little research, a little something, something, you know what I'm saying? Um, and it talks about your passion. You're passionate about working with individuals and their families to identify the core issues and all that good stuff, right? Yes, sir. There's something that I don't know that you would like me to know about Alyssa Jones Rock. Mm. Don't worry, you're no different than anybody else I asked a question to. They don't want me to know anything either, so it's okay. It's okay, but I will, Stevie knows this about me that I don't like doing stuff like this. So that's what I'll tell you right now. I'm super shy and super nervous, and this is like, makes me anxious but i think it's going to be great i think that what we're talking about is important so I'm it is okay yeah. i got i got a question for you to help you feel a little bit more comfortable i got a, a nice little question for you do you have any friends of course cool would you consider stevie a friend absolutely absolutely i am so easy to talk to and most of your friends are very easy <laughs> to talk to i would assume is that correct there, Alyssa? Yes, it is. Okay, boom. So now you have another friend, which is me. So therefore, we should be able to have a conversation. Notice I didn't say anything about Tony. <laughs> Poor Tony. <laughs> Look, I feel I love bad him, for Tony. I love him like a step-uncle. I love him like a step-uncle, so it's okay. Um, Alyssa, this is, this is actually... Great. We've been talking about some issues and stuff like that. And I, I know you heard the opening uh, monologue that I, I talked about these. All those movies are movies that deal with interracial romance and stuff like that, right? And I think it's a, a, a huge topic. 
um, especially with the temperature of what's going on today in society. I think it's something great that we need to kind of touch bases on. And, you know, talking to Stevie and she was giving me some uh, insight of uh, things that you talk about with teens. And it's probably not the reason that they come in in the beginning, but it might be something that you start to figure out or they start to figure out. And, you know, it kind of helps their uh, progression, right? With with their, uh, with their uh, whatever it is, whether it's addiction or anxiety or, you know, depression. Um, so I, I kind of want to talk to you about, about uh, mixed races and, and like, do you think a lot of times, um, and we'll start from the beginning, you know, as parents, a lot of times parents don't think about the uh, effects that this might have on kids, right? Because love is love. You find love, this person you fall in love with, everything that comes after that, they kind of say, yo, we're going to deal with that as it comes, right? right. Uh, when do you start to see things that might sway towards that type of conversation when it comes to dealing with some of the teens you're dealing with? I think in my experience, I haven't had a lot of, of, uh, of biracial or girls like me up until this past year. And I think that um, what I'm seeing is that once they hit a certain like age in their life, mostly middle school, high school, they start to realize that they are different. And that comes from that population where you know, they realize their hair is different than, than most of their friends or um, their skin tone is different. And they may be one of the very few uh, black people in their group of friends who are predominantly Hispanic or predominantly white. And so they deal with feeling automatically different. And then they deal with eventually down the road, bullying that comes with being different. Um, and, and as you mentioned, love, I think that, you know, our parents loving each other, um, they don't realize that, like you said, that stepping into, uh, you know, creating children that are going to be of multiple races, they don't understand what, what we may go through. I'm biracial, I'm half Mexican, half black. Um, and a lot of my bullying, you know, I felt loved in my home, but in school, I didn't feel black enough for my black friends or Mexican enough for my Mexican friends. And, and when I see these biracial girls come in, that's what I'm hearing them saying is I don't feel loved in my friend group. I don't feel like I belong. You know, I'm getting made fun of because my hair is different. Um, you know, I'm, I'm too black for the, for the white girls or I'm too, 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 uh, whatever for this group and so that's where it starts to come in and, and the issue that i see with my girls with racial issues is is a lack of self-love that they start to develop because um the bullying the, you know the things that they're hearing about themselves and, and looking different or being different yeah it's crazy because you said something that i have on I, I wrote on a card i jotted down a thought and i said not black enough for black kids and not white enough for white kids and um or which which however they're they're mixed whether it's asian or you know right. it's, it's so many different um varieties um and i think that comes with a lot of self-identity would you would you kind of agree with that absolutely if you don't really know where to identify like you know my mom is mexican my dad's black i grew up predominantly with my mom's family but my, my as as my family is hispanic mexican 
they got a little bit of soul in them. So I grew up yeah. having that kind of to me, you know, that like growing up it like what we would call as culturally black, you know, how, how black households are ran. That's kind of the household that I lived in. Um, my mom's always dated outside of her race, always dated uh, black African-American men. And so that's how I grew up. And I think that I felt that love in my in my home, but there wasn't that acceptance. Um, when I stepped out, I, I kind of felt like when I was hanging with my Hispanic friends, like maybe I'm a little bit too hood or too too ghetto <laughs> for this. And then when I went with my black friends, I felt like, you know, I was constantly hearing, you think you're better than us because you're light skinned and you got the good hair and you're mixed. And so it was like, where do I fit in at? It was very difficult to find that. And I hear that a lot with my teen girls. That is so interesting. And, and I'm going to give a statistic. They say there are approximately 9 million individuals or 2.9% of the population that self-identify themselves as multiracial. And that, and I think that's important. Um, and some of the key things was self-identified. So, you know, I'm sure the number uh, is a lot bigger, but those are um, people that probably check the box or something like that. Um, and then you, you talked about uh, being in, in junior high school or an adolescent um, to whereas they start to recognize uh, the sense of people looking at them a little different. So do you think that most of the issues that we're seeing when it comes to issues that people might um, have with biracial kids are from adults? Because most of the time, kids don't see that they're different. You know, and I, I think I told a story last week on a, a podcast that my son is is biracial. You know, I have three boys that are that are mixed, and uh, the five year old, uh, his name is Liam, and he said, see, last week he said, "Oh, I'm 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 black and I'm white," and we was like, "Yeah," and he's like, "So is my legs white or is my <laughs> shoulders black?" And I I kind of chuckled. You know, but I think it's something good because we talk about that stuff. We talk about the race aspect of it because I think it's important. But I think that it's adults that are either looking at these kids, you know, it's not the kids at the school, it's the parents at the school mm -hmm. that are looking at these kids and, and saying something. What are you hearing or or from your, your own uh, earlier years, what are you hearing or seeing or something that you experienced that might kind of validate that as far as the, the adults that are making it an issue? I think I can agree with that. I remember growing up with my friends, most of my friend group, I'll be honest, were always African-American. My friend, my best friends to this day, I've had my best friend for over 20 years, she's black. Um, I remember when I would get into conflicts or dramas, um, you know, they would always pin it on me. Oh, it's the little light skin. And it's the adults. The parents would say, oh, don't hang with her. It's her. She's a little light skin one stirring up problem. Your black friends would never do you like that, right? And so I was constantly, like my friends would like, my mom said, I can't hang out with you anymore. So I do think that parents definitely play a role in that. And they teach their, they teach their children that it's like a learned behavior. But I think that it definitely does come from the adults that are teaching the teens this. And then they go to school and they start acting the same way. So, so some of the some of the kids that might be going to the program at four seventeen, um, when is it that you if if they're biracial and and they're um, in there, when do you kind of delve into that 
or ask those questions or is it something that they just kind of bring up because they feel like you can relate? How does that kind of uh, come to surface? It's interesting how it happens because it, 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 it doesn't, I don't naturally bring it up. I think what happens is the girls will come in and they see me. I'm, I'm normally the one that will meet them for the first time and, and assess them. I'm the face that they, they see for the first time walking into the building and I, you know, assess them, see if they're a fit for our program. And I think that's when that kind of happens. Is they, they're like, I identify with her. She's like me, I get her. And then in that, being that they can relate to me or identify with me, it just kind of happens naturally in sessions where, you know, my hair is always, everywhere I go, I get stopped about my hair, you know? So even with the girls, they're like, your hair, what products do you use? And then they, we start getting into them. And I, I get made fun of because my hair is frizzy or it's this way. And so it's just kind of that instant, like I identify with her, they just naturally will start opening up to me. That's good, because you, you get a, you, you basically get a connection uh, with them, right? And I right think away. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's something important. Um, so talk about talk about what you you do at four seventeen and uh, and kind of where you take the journey um, with these kids when you're sitting down talking to them or they're talking with you. So at four seventeen, I'm the lead therapist. I take on the majority of the clients here. Um, I see about five or six at the most at a time. Um, that's my max. And when I'm with them, it's really like even in my my about me that you'll see on the website about exploring like the core of the issues. I always explain it to my kids. It's like it's almost like an onion. You come in, you see me, and you're you're showing me self-esteem issues. You're showing me isolation. You're showing me anger. Those are the layers of the onion, but what's the core? What is all of this about? What's the what's this behavior really trying to show me? And so um, that's what I kind of work towards doing is helping them find the core and what's bringing them to this, this place of brokenness and understanding what that's been about for them all this time. Uh, awesome. Hey, uh, Stevie, so I, I got a question for you. Um, when you kind of listening to Alyssa, do you guys sit down and talk about that in the meeting? Like, how do you address that part of, of race? Um, because it could be the nucleus of an uh, issue that they're having and the kids don't even recognize it. Yeah, you know, um, I'm so grateful to have Alyssa on the staff. And, you know, the thing is, is that I, I agree with her. I think it's really only been in the last year where this has come up. Um, and it's been um, something that we've kind of tracked a little bit um, because it's happened multiple times. We haven't, you know, prior to, Alyssa's been with us since since day one. So, you know, looking back, it, it really, it's, it wasn't anything that we ever really saw or, or was brought up, but it's become more prevalent now. And I don't know if that is, by chance or if it's just you know something that Alyssa is honing into but um, it's not it's you know we're grateful to have it and it's certainly a, a big eye-opener for us and we didn't know that this was um, I guess it was we didn't really know that it was a, a, a bigger issue um, and then now we're just sort of to see seeing you know as we talked about last week a little bit like with the current climate, it is a bigger issue. And, 
you know, this is an opportunity as to, for us to really open our eyes and become teachable and learn. And I know for, for myself, you know, I'm very curious about this because it's not something that we've seen. And now that, that Alyssa's tapped into it and it's something that has triggered a desire for her to want to go into it more, I feel like it's, I'm, I'm excited for it in the respects that it's, it is a great opportunity for us to grow and learn as an organization, how to really hone in and help this population of kids that, that seemingly are, are really struggling. Okay, so um, of course, with everything that's going on in the world today and, and kids trying to identify, um, and Alyssa, you could probably speak to this as you kind of said it, uh, touched on it before, that I know that when kids are, uh, and I can only speak from those biracial of, of black and white or black and Mexican or black and Asian, any type, if they have black in them at some point, um, a lot of times they feel like they identify with themselves as black um, a lot of times first. And it doesn't matter whether their mom is white or however the, the, uh, the mix happened, but they identify themselves with black first. Can you kind of speak to that? And do you, do you understand the whys behind it? For me, I always grew up. So when I'm taking a test in elementary or middle school, high school, and it asks you to check off your race, I always was so confused on that. And I was told that you are whatever your father is. And my dad is black. So I always check off African-American. I don't know why that's been a thing, but in speaking with other biracial, it's always you are what your father is. Um, now I've had friends who have, uh, who are half black and half white and their, their, their mom is who's black and their dad is white, but they will check off black. Because like you said, if you're black, you're black. And that's just how we identify. I don't know the whys of that, but I know for me, when I identify, I do identify as Mexican and Black, but I think when people see me um, and they hear me speak, they they see a Black woman. Do you think that it's pretty much, because I hear people say it all the time, if your dad, if whatever your father is, that's what you identify yourself. But do you think that those kids are checking off a box based off of what, other people see them as because if you see a kid and he's raised in a, a, a predominantly white area and he's black and most of his friends are um, white then they tend to look at things and see things a little differently because of the area that they're raised in versus somebody that that might be in an urban area you know, all their friends are, you know, in the neighborhood and, you know, that's kind of how they the slang and everything that comes in with right. that. Do you think that that could have something to do with it and it might influence which box they might check? I do. I think that environment, because it really is, it's what we're surrounded by. Like, it kind of goes back to what I said. I grew up culturally black, even though I grew up with my Hispanic family. So that's really how I identify. But I imagine that if I grew up mostly with my Hispanic family and they weren't so like culturally black, despite being Hispanic, I think I would probably identify more as Hispanic. I grew up with my mom, mostly my dad wasn't in the picture much, but I still would check off black because I grew up in Riverside. I grew up around all my black friends, but I imagine if I would have grew up here in the Valley, that'd be a little bit different because I may not have grew up around the same crowd of people and it would have made me feel like I identified differently. I could see that. 
So, so what are some of the issues that you you have to address when when some of the kids um, talk to you about race? It's about being comfortable and feeling like you know feeling good in their skin. That's the, that's the one thing I've had girls and I I'm everyone who knows me as a therapist knows me as the emotional therapist. I will cry with these kids in sessions, but I've had them come in and say, you know, they told me I look like this gorilla because of, you know, I'm heavy set and I'm African American. So when we start to talk, we talk about the words and how they've impacted us and then we start to do some reflective work on on how do you feel about yourself and why do you feel that way and what can we do to make you feel better about yourself it's about the hair you know growing up being raised by a white mom or a Mexican mom but you have hair like mine or kinkier curls my mom doesn't know how to style that kind of hair and so I go to school with my hair looking a certain way and it doesn't look like the other girls. And so we talk about learning to care for our hair um, and and how to take care of that when we grew up in a world where white moms or Mexican moms don't know how to deal with black hair. So it's a lot of stuff about building on on who you are, appreciating your hair for what it is, appreciating your color for, for, for what it is, and loving yourself for who you are despite being different than your friend group. That's crazy. Uh, and I, I want to say Chris Rock uh, did a movie. I want to say it's Chris Rock that did uh, uh, it was a show about hair and it, it won an Oscar, actually. And, I, and I'm a I'm a I'm a look it up to try and figure it out. But it won an Oscar and it was about um, the black hair. So and just so you know, I don't care what the hair feels like, looks like. I can't do it regardless, just so you know. So if my daughter came to me and she like braid this, let's just cut it off. I think it looks good. Have you seen Black Panther? The girls had, <laughs> they, had hair, they had hair like mine. So that's what I would say. Uh, look, we gotta take a break, but I'm gonna I'm say first that uh, we have partnered with 417 Recovery with the hopes of reaching um, adolescents and teens all over the world to be able to help them and their families with everything from addiction, uh, recovery, anxiety, depression, um, and social issues because it, it comes up right now. It's not something that's just going to go away um, and neither are you because you're going to stick around because I got more with Stevie and more with Alyssa uh, Jones Rock right after the break. Don't go anywhere. 417 Recovery is located in Palm Desert and Mission Viejo in Southern California. We are a comprehensive, clinically-based intensive outpatient program for adolescents struggling with mental health and substance use issues. One in five students between the ages of 12 and 18 have been bullied during the school year. Bullying is unwanted, aggressive behavior that involves a real or perceived power imbalance. Students have shared that bullying hurts whether in person or through technology. The end result is that bullying is in, in any form is emotionally damaging. The effects of bullying can result in depression and anxiety, decrease in academic achievement, loss of interest in activities, changes in sleep and eating patterns, low self-esteem, and social isolation. If you think your teen is being bullied, reach out for more information on how we can help your loved ones. Oh, 
Mo, I'm Mo, ready. Mo. What are you doing? Don't don't interrupt. I'm already there. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Do you hear Tony trying to interrupt me coming back from the break? What's up, Tony? I'm here, baby. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, hey, thank you for coming back. Of course, I'm still here with 417 Recovery. Let me give out some contact information for 417. So if you want to call, you can call Stevie. Uh, you can call Alyssa if you like. You can dial uh, 844 417-3417. And of course, that guy that's hiding out in Mission Viejo, Scott, not on the call today, but you can reach him at 844-417-2417. That's out of Mission Viejo, um, California. And of course, still here with uh with Alyssa, and I'm still here with Stevie, and of course, Tony. And uh, I don't know, but I have so much fun on the break. You know what I'm saying? That the stuff that we talk about is uh, crazy and funny. And, and it, it kind of leads us back into where we're going for the second part of the show. So for the second segment. First off, Alyssa, um, you, you you touched on it before. We was talking about, you said something about bullying, right? When we was talking about your story and you, you went on that. Um, and when you said that, I jotted it down because I knew that I would want to touch on it um, later. And then, of course, you know, you talk about a, somebody who's a great interviewer, people. Tony is one of the best halftime interviewers in the world. You know what I'm saying? When the cameras are off and the microphones are closed, Tony asks the best questions. I'm like, yo, I, I would talk about the second half. I got it right, right here. Uh, <laughs> so you kind of talked about bullying. Yeah. And uh, Stevie said it also during the break that you know they don't come in talking about race. That's not that's not how it happens. But uh, the bullying is probably in the forefront. Can you talk about that? Because bullying it's twenty four seven. Stevie said it best that you know it's up in your face. It's on social media. You know, and then I said some stuff I'm not gonna repeat on the air. <laughs> what? Uh, so c- could you kind of talk about that and uh, what it does? Uh, for just to a kid that's an adolescent yeah so I think in particular of my one of my girls I just graduated out um she came in with depression anxiety um she came in after um a suicide attempt some stuff that was going on and and when I would try to touch on it with her she wouldn't talk about it she was very just like resistant and cold and she just didn't want to go there And then eventually, as we started to talk, I realized art was her language and she would draw things and I would see her like curled up in a ball and like words being thrown at her. So I would ask her like, what does this mean? What is this about? And as she would talk about her depression and her anxiety and her suicide attempt, um, her thoughts of wanting to kill herself, it would go back to bullying, what people are saying to me at school. And, And so as we went on through our sessions, I would get more detail as to what was being said to her. And it was about her hair being different, about her being looking like a certain animal or looking, you know, a certain way and being different from her friends. And she eventually started to wear that. And that narrative became her identity is that I am different. I am ugly. My hair is nappy or my hair is this. And that's who she became and she lost herself. And so when she got to me, it was about finding herself again and digging through that and figuring out who were you before these words got thrown into your lap. And you, you said lost yourself. And you know what? The saddest part about that is that they're kids. 
you know, you, you've already lost yourself as a kid, you know, and I, I, man, I commend you guys for what you do because to be able to get a kid to find themselves um, again after going through something like that is, is tough, but I'm glad that we have professionals, you know, to, to be able to help. Um, is there a, cha- do you, do you ha- find yourself having a challenge of, you know, you, you look 14, maybe 15, okay, I'll say 18 since you're working out there and they're not running the sweatshop at 417. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you find it uh, being a challenging for you because you look so young and, you know, you, you come up in there, a girl looking at you like, you in here too, don't be trying to play it. I know that's one of your personalities trying to act like you work here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, do you find it as a challenge for you? No, it's actually a strength. And that is what I've learned in working with, with teens is that my age right now, I get away with it. I'm nervous to get old because they tell me all the time, like my past therapist was old and like, you're young and you're still kind of cool. And I'm like, man, when I get old, I have it coming because there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this stuff off anymore. But they like it. It's like a strength. Ahead, it's okay. You... I'm I'm old and they love me. Yeah, so. they love me still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know when 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 teens say you look you old, that means you 26, 27. Yeah. They don't they, they don't they don't get it. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm still 29 and my kids. We had that debate this weekend. It's like you gonna be 29 10 more years, 20 more years. But you know, we'll we'll see what it is. Um. So, how how do kids get to talk to their parents about something like this so how do you have them address their parents um is this something that you guys touch on and and group um so how how does it work so in addressing it with their parents i think the most important part is helping them to understand what it is for them first and then i i use that now you have an understanding of what this has been about for you how this race has, how racial, you know, discrimination has played a role into your depression and your anxiety. Now you understand that. And now it's important for your parents to understand that. And so I empower and encourage them to bring that into their family sessions. 417, we work as a team. So in our staff meetings, we're all on point and talking. And so what I'm getting an individual might be different from what the family therapist getting. And so I will tell them, Here's kind of what we're seeing, and I think it's important to address this in family therapy and have the parents on board with it. So, would, would, would sometimes would you sit in on those? Uh, have you found yourself ever having to sit in with the family therapist because this is this? I see this as an issue or one of the triggers to the depression or the anxiety to kind of help facilitate that conversation. Um, not in, in particular with race, with other stuff. Yeah, I've had to kind of sit in and help guide their words or help them to feel comfortable and say, Alyssa's here with me and now I can talk about it. But just stepping in family therapy by myself with my two parents and the family therapist, I don't feel like I have a safe space. So certain things, yeah, I've had to sit in on and kind of be that support system for them. So how, how can a parent, so, and, and you can go off your own experience as well. How can a parent tell there is a problem? Uh, when it comes to um, whether it's the bullying aspect of it and then it leading down to the uh, race and the culture of the kid, what are some signs that they could probably look for? I think when it comes to this stuff, it comes like a lot of the bullying 
it's you notice super behavior changes. And again, I'm gonna I'm thinking back to that same girl that I just graduated out. She started self-harming. She started struggling big time. And and her, you know, her friend groups were changing. She was depressed. She was isolating. She didn't really want to go to school. There was a lot of anxiety about going to school. And it was like, of course there is because you're being bullied. You don't feel safe there. And so I think it's important for us as a staff to educate the parents on those behaviors and what they could be about rather than just assuming, oh, my kid's just being lazy and doesn't want to go to school. Well, let's dig a little bit deeper. Is there something happening at school that's making them not want to go and helping them to really understand and educating them on um, kind of the things that are happening in the schools right now or what's happening behind these screens and then helping them to learn how to address it with their teens. And it's, it's so interesting. And, you know, you guys uh, kind of said, and you talked about the depression, and anxiety portion of it. How do you, I, I can find it probably difficult and, and not understanding because I'm not a therapist of how to deal with someone who has depression or anxiety, but how to deal with a, a, a kid who may not be diagnosed at that time. Um, what do you say to loved ones that might be listening or something on ways to help um, deal with somebody with anxiety or depression? I think it's just simply asking, like, how are you doing? What is going on? I'm noticing changes. Maybe we don't know it's anxiety. Maybe we don't know it's depression. And just kind of asking some general questions about how are you feeling? A lot of the time we forget to just check in and say, how are you? How have things, how is school? Just the simple questions. We forget to say, how are, how are, you, how are your friends? How are things going with your friends? And just being able to ask that can open up so much. But a lot of the time we just don't know to do that. And we feel like my team doesn't want to talk to me. Maybe they do. They just don't feel like you're you're opening up an opportunity for them to do that. So it's, and I, uh, also uh, it's important to, to not be afraid of the answer. Yeah. So okay. like I think there's a lot of fear behind if you're starting to notice some changes in your kid you know in your teen and it's like well you want to reach out to them but you're almost afraid to say like can i handle the response that i don't really want you know and so you're like well i'll get to it and i'll get to it and i'll get to it and you dance around that fear of opening up that dialogue because no parent really wants their kid to struggle you know and so it's kind of like as the adult and as the parent you have to you have to initiate that conversation. You have to open up the dialogue because if you don't, the longer you wait, the deeper and deeper it goes. And then you're looking at a whole bunch of other issues. So I think, you know, it's really important to not dance around the fear of, of being able to talk to your kids because what, what if they do say like, I, I'm unhappy and I wanna die? Well, what then? Because then now you've got, you've opened up a whole nother thing. And, you know, every parent wants to hear like, yeah, everything's great, you know, da, 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 da. and the reality of that in this time that we're currently living in, you're likely not going to get that answer. If you're already seeing signs, you can't, you can't be afraid of the, of, of the answer. I could see that 100% of trying to figure out you want to check in on them, but you know something's wrong, and you're like, as soon as I open my mouth to ask this question, because I can tell you what I would do, I, 
I'm gonna grab them, take them to the car, and I'm driving to Michigan or, or Palm Desert because I'm like, listen, I need somebody to help me because I don't know what to do um, because they're not they're not specialists or or therapists, and I think they want to help but afraid to hear the realistic problems that these teens uh, might be going through, you know, in that moment. So, of course, I would try and figure out. Uh, I'm calling for one seven recovery eight four 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 one seven three four one seven. Look, we're gonna we're gonna pause real quick. I got some uh, background noise over here. Uh, Liam, can you hear him in the background playing Fortnite? I'm not doing this again. Come here, everybody want to know. Everybody want to know why you so loud? Here, come here. No, I'm not there. Oh, he's so cute. So you can hear. Good. Good. Come here. Say hi. Hi. Hi, Liam. Hi. Stevie, now tell him to be quiet. <laughs> no. Liam. No, Liam. Why do I always have to be the bad boss? No. Why do I always have to be the bad boss? No, I'll tell you something. He's a... He's an absolutely beautiful child. He looks just like his mom. Yeah, he got to. He got to. Tony, how long have you been waiting to say that? I say it all, I say say it all, all the time. time. As a matter of fact, Mo has three, right, Mo? Three? Yes. And they're all they're all beautiful like they were. They're moms. Mo, Mo's a... Mo, they still card Mo, even though he's almost 50. <laughs> 29, Alyssa, 29. Just That's so where you know. I'm headed next, uh, at the end of July, 29. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're going to be old over here. All right, uh, Tony, we back into it. Now, actually, we never stopped. And I'll just, I know we haven't. We I can, you can chop that, that up. up. We're okay. Yeah, yeah I know. And by That's the way, cool. Mo, he's, a, he's adorable. It, it's yeah. going to... I, I'll tell you, live on the video, it's really cute back there, man. I mean, he's just just being five. <laughs> he is being five. He's playing for it, and and he's and he's quiet to him. He's quiet too. Oh yeah, yeah you to know, him, he's quiet. But yeah. you know what though, you gotta love him, man. He's so cute. Yeah, I do. You, you can just hear him. Just t- and you know, the room is full. He's probably talking to like three or four people in there. <laughs> and and there's nobody there. No, this is him and Raider the dog. That's it. I get it. All right, baby, you're going. All right, cool. Um, all right. I know y'all heard that. Okay, so Alyssa, so here's what I got. So I, I always think about it when I'm I'm talking to my children because I talk about color, right? I want my kids to see color. I think color color is a beautiful thing. I think it's important. Um, you know, because a lot of times, you know, people say that we that you shouldn't see color. Um, but the truth of the matter is, is that color is out there and you're going to see it every single day of your life right when it comes to dealing with people um what is probably one of the most important things that you say to kids when addressing uh them being biracial Uh, really it's like reflecting on how you feel about yourself i think it's 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 powerful to help them to, to understand who they are and, and really explore that. And I think that 
what I like to highlight the most is what makes them unique. One of the questions that I think is one of the hardest questions that I ever ask a teen is, what is it that you like about yourself? And I think that's the hardest question because they can't ever really give me an answer. But if I ask them, what is it that you don't like about yourself? They can give me a whole list. And as soon as I can understand that there's all these things that they don't like, I start just pouring into um, what I see as strengths, what I see as as positives in them, you know, how, how they can learn to love them, their hair, how they can learn to love themselves and love their differences and embrace those. Um, it's just about pouring that love back into their lap once they've lost it. That's pretty, that's pretty uh, touching. And, and actually, I think you have to be very empathetic, you know, um, as therapists, uh, because sometimes I might think whether it's a kid or somebody that you're in a relationship with, when they're struggling with an addiction or anxiety or depression, we, as the recipient of what what they're going through, becomes defensive, right? And I think uh, with the defense, they start to you start to attack and you know that type of stuff. Um, is there? anything you know i don't know if it, there's books that people can read or on how to deal with something like that um kind of what do you recommend um for uh the average person that's going through it i mean i don't for me books i don't have any off the top of my head that i can think of but i i know that um you know, there's not a lot out here in the Valley. I moved here three years ago. There's not a lot out here. So I really just try and encourage to find people that, that you feel you can relate to. I know as a therapist, I'm one of them for them, but I can't be your friend outside of here. So trying to make connections with people that are like you and just building that, um, I'm hoping that at, at some point we can have something like that, some sort of a, a, a group support, that, that a, some sort of support group that can allow biracial kids to feel you know that they have that support um and have that love and where, where they can relate to other people be a good time since we're in a pandemic and going back into a quarantine for you to start to uh, start your nonprofit <laughs> outside <laughs> this is gonna be uh the biracial community uh conversation uh do it on zoom do it it actually works um no, that's, that's that's good information, and yes, I know there's I, there are some books out there that um, that you know people can read and uh, talks about uh, mixed race and stuff like that. So um, that's awesome. Look, I, there's I know there's the topics can go on and on and on and on and on and on. Um, what do you do? Do you have uh, any other uh, practice outside of four seventeen that you're doing or? What do you got going on? Nope, this is my commitment right here. 417, full-time here with Stevie and the rest of the gang here in Palm Desert. Cool. And do they? Do you have for people to contact you? Do, they, do you have an email address? Um, and typically, we, we should preface this, you know, before we come on the air so that y'all won't lose your space. You know, try to figure out your number. And <laughs> Inside joke, right, Stevie? <laughs> So do you have any contact information that, whether it's uh, the the number at 417? Yeah, so the number at 417 directly and, and Stevie knows how to direct people over to me if, if they have any questions regarding any of this stuff. Excellent. Um, 
So with the climate going on there, uh, Alyssa, uh, how's things out there in Palm Desert? And that's kind of a redundant question because I know there's nothing going on in Palm Desert. But if there, but if there was, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm actually trying to come to Palm Springs and hang out, just so you know. So when I come down, I'm hey, you need to hit me up if you come out here. Uh, don't don't worry, I will. Don't worry, I definitely will. <laughs> We got some special stuff coming to you. I'm, I'm I mean, zone. I can't wait. I'm, I'm so excited. To, I'm checking the mail every day. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> it's, it's it's being taken care of right now. And I know Tony's on mute, but Tony can confirm for me, you know, what we actually got going on down there. So it's, it's good. Um, cool. Well, I think you've done a, a great job and, you know, just talking to you and, uh, the maturity that you have when it comes to talking about these issues and the passion that you have, um, when dealing with the, the teens that are going through the program, it kind of oozes out um, through Zoom and, uh, and through your voice. So I really appreciate it. Um, Stevie, what would you like to say? I always put you on the spot to talk about uh, Alyssa uh, now mean, that she's on here. What do you have to say to Alyssa? Well, I mean, I know this was uncomfortable for her, which is what I love so much about asking Alyssa to do things outside of her comfort zone, because I feel like it's an opportunity to grow and learn. And um, so, you know, I thank her for coming on this show. And Alyssa's been with me here at 417 since we opened day one. And it has been an absolute honor to watch her go from being you know, super green. And I remember Scott and I, you know, meeting with Alyssa and he's like, well, it's going to work or it's not. And I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to us. Cause she has been, been with me by my side through everything here. And we were just reflecting a little while ago on that and how much she's grown and how exciting it is going to be for her to, you know, get through this intern process and 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 it's been it's been amazing and she's one of my best friends and and um you know uh i don't know what i would do without her you know 417 is 417 because of the work she does here and the passion that she has for working with these teens it's just i mean she's crying i'm crying we're all crying at graduation so it's just you know, that's it's awesome. great. And I'm, I'm super blessed and grateful to have her be a part that's, of this. Team. That's awesome. And Alyssa, typically, especially when people talk about the friendships, I like to test their friendships. Have you tasted any jerky from a jerky zone? Because yeah. Stevie had some. I'm just saying, because if it was my friend, I would have probably, you know, gave him a bag or something. But yeah, I thought um, she was a vegetarian <laughs> or something. You vegetarian? Oh, she, that's how you do it. You're like, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> Who's vegetarian? Oh. Hold on. Wait, because I wasn't aware. She knows where the snack drawer is. I mean. snack drawer. It sounds like it's empty right now, though. Uh, that There's snack drawer with the jerky oh. is definitely empty. I can tell you that right now. She cracked open the bag. And if you don't, oh, look at that. Great minds thinking like she got her bag, I still got my bag. So that's, that's <laughs> you gotta ration that stuff. When you start getting low, you're like, if I have a little piece today, could have a little bit tomorrow. <laughs> but you can't just barrel through it because I don't live in Orange County and I'm not going there anytime soon. So well, no, we can we can we gonna ship you some. Don't worry, we'll ship you some more uh, jerky, uh, Alyssa. So typically, before my guests leave, I ask them if there's anything that you could say 
to some struggling teens out there or kids who's having um, self-identity um, issues that could help them uh, kind of work their way through this issue before they make it to 417. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's important to just be aware if you're feeling you're like you're not sure um, about who you are, you're struggling with your identity, um, being mindful of that and, and being open. Right now we're in a space where race is, is a big topic and it's, it's pretty much a good time to, to open up the conversations and try and find someone that can relate and understand um, what you're going through and just being ready to be open and talk about things that are uncomfortable and, and start exploring and, and finding yourself again. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining the show. It's, uh, it's been a privilege of mine and, uh, and the high school narrative, um, to have you on the show. Um, and, uh, thank you Stevie really for uh, bringing her on the show. This is a, a great topic and it's something I enjoy um, talking about, I'm very passionate about race. <laughs> Hello. Um, so it's something that I, I, I talk about all the time, whether it's with, with kids or, or some friends uh, who might have questions and me as well have questions um, because I'm not all knowing, although I might act like it sometimes, but uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. So thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, ma'am. All right. All right, folks. Thank you for taking some time out of your lovely day to listen to my annoying voice, right? Please join me again next time where my goal is to make you smile, make you cry. And uh, if I can't do that, I definitely want to make you laugh, you know, but if neither of those happen, my goal is to educate and inspire. My podcast will be covering any and everything from high school education, high school athletics, all things around our adolescents and all topics that can educate the community. I will continue to interview educators, athletic directors, and people that make uh, a difference and impact in your lives. My hope is to share my passion for education, high school extracurricular activities, and higher learning. We will continue, you heard me, we will continue to cover topics that will further our educators and build our community around education and topics that may save a life or stop the bullying. If you're out there and you're feeling alone, depressed, suicidal, or need some help, or just need someone to talk to, please, please pick up the phone and call any hotline or call our partners at 417 Recovery. You can find me on social media, on anywhere, on Twitter, at Mo underscore or, that's with two R's, or on Instagram, at Mo, the HS Narrative, and make sure to subscribe and comment on any of our podcast apps. I will leave you with this. Take some time and do something nice for someone else. In turn, someone will do something nice for you. Stand up for those that may be weak and be a voice for change. Stay motivated, pun intended. And remember, when adversity comes, look it straight in the eye and say, I'm strong, I'm loved, and I will overcome you. So I got to go. You have been watching and listening to Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. For Tony, Stevie, and Alyssa, I am Mo. Until next time. I'm out. Make a difference. 417 Recovery is located in Palm Desert and Mission Viejo in Southern California. We are a comprehensive, clinically-based intensive outpatient program for adolescents struggling with mental health and substance use issues. Some people may find release through self-harming behaviors. Self-harm may be used to distract 
a person from negative feelings. Used to help express emotions, to feel something physical if they're feeling numb, punish themselves for things that they think they've done wrong, develop a sense of control over their lives, or simply a cry for help. Common types of self-injury, cutting, scratching, burning, hitting, punching oneself, piercing skin with sharp objects, picking up at existing wounds, or even pulling out your hair. 417 Recovery is here to help you and your teen break away from the cycle of self-harm. Reach out today for more information about how we can help.